0: DiscerningHearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I'm delighted to be joined once again by Dr. Matthew Bunsen, who serves as a senior fellow at the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology and is one of the United States' leading authorities on the papacy and the church. His books include the Encyclopedia of Catholic History, the Encyclopedia of Saints, and St. Damien of Molokai, Apostle of the Exile, along with many, many others. Dr. Bunsen has served as a consultant to MSNBC, NBC News, CBS Radio, and the BBC, as well as other media outlets. He serves as the editor of the Catholic Answer magazine, published by our Sunday visitor. With Dr. Matthew Bunsen, we go inside the pages of St. Kateri, Lily of the Mohawks, published by Our Sunday Visitor. Matthew, thank you so much for joining me.
1: It's a great pleasure, as always, to be with you, Chris.
0: We had a wonderful opportunity to be present at the canonization of seven ordinary people who ended up being extraordinary witnesses of the faith.
1: We did, uh, and... and one of the fun things of course about attending a canonization is that you get to see that the whole universal church come together uh it had the added pleasure of uh, being able to see you in rome so uh that for me was uh, uh an, a real gift uh for the occasion when we're talking about the seven saints we're talking really about a very diverse group we had of course the kateri that we're going to be talking about we had Mother Marianne Cope uh, from Hawaii, uh, probably worth a mention. Uh, we also have uh, Jacques Berthieu, a, a French Jesuit missionary who was martyred in 1896 in Madagascar. Pedro Collingsod, a Filipino catechist who was martyred in the uh, Marianas Islands in 1672. Uh, an Italian priest by the name of Giovanni Battista Piamarta, who was the founder of a congregation for men and also for women. Uh, Carmen Sayesi Barangueras. Uh, uh, Spanish nun who was the founder of a congregation for the education of children. And then uh, one of the more interesting saints of this group, a, a woman by the name of Anna Schaefer, who's a, a German laywoman who endured immense suffering and became a victim soul uh, in her life, who has, in a way, a, a correspondence, I think, with uh, uh, Kateri Tekakwitha in that both were, were laywomen, uh, both gave their lives to Christ uh, uh, and were willing to endure great hardships for him. So we're seeing with this group right here, as I was saying before, the universality of the church, but also the rich diversity of holiness, Uh, holiness being expressed in all of its different uh, forms, and and that holiness really is for everyone.
0: Matthew, help us to appreciate what a little, as they called her, lily of the Mohawk, 24-year-old, Native American who lived essentially what over 400 years ago yeah. what would she have to share with us concerning faith?
1: One of the things that uh, leaps out as you begin to study the life of Kateri Tegakwitha is the blessed John Paul uh, talks about signs of contradiction that, that um, at first glance what would this 24 year old woman who died, who was a a Catholic, who was a Christian for only four years in her life, have really to offer anyone. She seemed at at first glance to be someone of very little accomplishment. And yet, the the Jesuits who wrote about her, who talked about her, and we we can discuss this a little bit more uh, as as we discuss her further, Mm -hmm. were in awe of her. And they were in awe of her for one particular reason, and that was her faith. She was gifted with not just faith, but faith to a truly heroic degree. And she had faith in the face of persecution, faith in the face of uh, opposition from her own family, her own tribe, uh, faith in the face of the hardships of being a Catholic in the wilderness. And uh, she had the joy of discovering faith uh, in her own life, the joy of the convert, and we all know converts to the to, to the church. Uh, I hope we do uh,
2: mm-hmm. we,
1: we all work, I hope, to bring converts to the church, and there is that moment uh if we have the great privilege of being there when they actually enter into the church. And I've seen this on a number of occasions. The the light that sort of explodes out of new converts on the day or or the night, that that holy Saturday, for example. Mm -hmm. Imagine the explosion of joy on the part of Kateri when she was baptized uh, by the Jesuits. And the, the joy, the peace... Uh, the light that you could see coming out of her at that event. And it was something that she never lost. And the Jesuits remarked upon her faith. The Jesuits talked about uh, her zeal, her love for the church, her love for Christ, so much so, of course, that she declared very firmly uh, in her own life that I... uh, I have consecrated myself entirely to Jesus, she said, the son of Mary. I have chosen him for husband, and he alone will take me for wife, is how she put it, uh, to Father Sholenek, one of the Jesuits. The, the power of her faith, uh, I think, is the one thing that stood out most. And, and if we're looking for role models for young people in faith, Kateri, I think, is a very, very powerful one.
0: Very countercultural. For her to be able to make that proclamation, I mean, we think it's a struggle today to be able to witness to our faith. But given what she was up against, she really is an extraordinary witness.
1: Yes, uh, from an early time in her life, um, she was, of course, the the daughter of uh, a Mohawk chief. Uh, her mother was an Algonquin captive who was, by every account, an extraordinary woman. Her name was probably Cahinta, and. As was the custom, she was captured in war uh, and was made a captive, but uh, Kateri's father actually took her for a wife. And that itself was unusual, but Kahinta, this Algonquin, was a Christian. And you can see the sort of the roots there in Kateri's. Young life, or Tecuitha, as she was originally called, her her birth name, which means "she who puts things in order," and because she was the daughter of a chief, because her uncle was a chief, you know, and uh, her family was largely exterminated uh, by smallpox, tragically so. Um, you can see the pressure that was building within the Mohawk community, and Kateri was expected, or Tekakwitha was expected to marry, because that's what the culture of the Mohawks indicated, and it it makes perfect sense, not only for the perpetuation of the tribe, uh, as was the the custom, but also for political alliances, for the strengthening of the tribe, of the the community, of the uh, relationships between families. She refused to marry, uh, regardless of all of the pressure that was put on her, and this was before her conversion. She was always very different. The smallpox had left her face badly disfigured. Uh, her vision was very poor. She could have a, she had a hard time going out into the sunlight because of the the damage to mm-hmm. her eyes. She didn't readily participate in the, the dancing, which was a, a major part of uh, life and in the, the tribal community. Uh, so all of the things that would have made her normal uh, in a way set her apart. But the thing that really set her apart was her refusal to marry. And mm-hmm. she was polite about it, but she was also very firm about it. And once she converted, she was even more adamant in her refusal. And that added to the tension. Uh, the Church was an enemy of the Mohawk people, as far as the Mohawks were concerned, and we can talk about why that was the case. So she was adding on to the frustration of the tribe, the frustration of her own family, first by converting, and then by refusing to wed. But for Kateri, this was absolutely crucial and was a vital component, I think, of her own conversion, but also her own commitment to Christ. She was the first of the Native Americans to take a perpetual vow of chastity. And for her, that was one of the greatest moments of her life. Because through it, she was able to conform herself completely to Christ, to give herself completely to Christ. And that, uh, in the eyes, I think, of the Jesuit missionaries, was one of the most extraordinary moments of their lives in the wilderness.
0: She is a saint for all those who are in need of courage. Because when you think about it, Matthew, the fact that she was dis- severely disfigured and it, half blind, okay, yep. because that would make her more dependent ordinarily on the community for her care, for for uh, help in the everyday things, and yet because of this conviction in her heart, she stood mm-hmm. strong, even it facing the the potential loss of care by that community. Yeah.
1: Um, For Kateri, a series of decisions uh, placed her at great danger, ultimately. Certainly placed her at a uh, a social disadvantage, at a familial disadvantage, uh, at a disadvantage within the community. Uh, She was ostracized uh, at the time of her Conversion. She was later mocked. Uh, she was simply called the Christian uh, within the the, the village. Uh, she was willing to endure all uh, for the faith. And it speaks, I think, to the wisdom of the Jesuits, who, especially Jacques de Lamberville, who was the Jesuit who first met her uh, and who was astounded when he wandered into. uh her little dwelling found her there. She had injured her leg and was not able to go out. And he introduced himself and, and she said, My name is Tecaquita, and I wish to become a Christian. You can imagine the shock that he had. Hmm. He's the one who made a lot of the vital decisions regarding uh, the speed with which she was brought into the church because he saw right from the start this extraordinary young woman. He also uh, kept a very close eye on her and was concerned about her safety. So it reached the point that uh, he sent her away. It was his recommendation that she leave her village um, and move from New York to the settlement just outside of Montreal, uh, where she would be safe, where there were other Christians, other Catholic Indians, uh who shared her love for the church, uh, but who, like her, had faced exile, who had faced ostracism, uh, had faced opposition from their own people. But the intriguing part about that departure was the effort on the part of her uncle, who had taken care of her from the time that she was four, when she lost her family, uh, to try to bring her back to the village because she was, after all, the daughter of a chieftain. This was unacceptable to him. But in the letter that she took with her to Montreal, from Jacques de Lamberville to the Jesuits who ran this community, he wrote to them, Guard well this treasure, and you will soon discover what a jewel it is that I have sent you. And it did not take them very long uh, before uh, they, in fact, discovered uh, how remarkable the young woman was uh, that who had arrived in their midst.
0: We'll return to Inside the Pages in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen. And so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts.
2: From a letter from St. Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 6. Be strengthened in the Lord in the might of his power. Put on the armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and the powers, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness on high. Therefore, take up the armor of God, so that you may be able to resist the evil every day, and stand in all things perfect. Stand, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of justice, and having your feet shod with the readiness of the gospel of peace, in all things taking up the shield of faith, with which you may be able to quench all fiery darts of the most wicked one and take for yourself the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit that is the Word of God. With all prayer and supplication, pray at all times in the Spirit, and be vigilant in all perseverance and supplication for all the saints.
0: We now return to Inside the Pages. Talk to us about the hostility towards, uh, they were called the black robes, those French Jesuits. Why why did that exist?
1: Yeah, the great struggle for North America, uh, it's easy to forget now that uh, North America was the battleground for empires in the 16th and 17th centuries Uh the and and all the way into the 18th century england and france and spain uh, saw immediately the vast opportunities of the new world Uh, spain of course centered in mexico and uh, central and then into south america Uh, they pushed into the southwest of the united states they were the first of the the great movement of uh, Europeans into the New World. England and France battled it out in very close quarters in North America, along the eastern seaboard. France, of course, took Canada uh, because of the fur. uh, But joining them every step of the way, with every settlement of the French, every fur settlement, Every effort to cultivate the economic life of New France, as it was called, what we consider New York and, and whole stretches of New England and into the uh, Northeast, journeyed with them. Missionaries were sent out into the wilderness of North America by France, by the Church. the The Jesuits sent out the finest in their midst. These were. Men who had doctorates in canon law, in theology, in spiritual theology, in biblical theology. And they went with one purpose, and that was to proclaim the gospel in the wilderness. What they found, of course, uh, that some of the Indians uh, embraced and, and were quite taken with what they were preaching. Others, however, in particular the Iroquois, who were allies of the English, declared them to be enemies. Why? Because they were French because they saw them as European invaders. They were Catholics, and the Iroquois had been warned about Catholics by the English, by the Dutch, uh, by all of those who hated the church as a result of the Reformation, and also because of the fact that the French were Catholic, the Spanish were Catholic, the great enemies of the English. Mm-hmm. So, the Native Americans, uh, many of them in particular, the, the Iroquois, members of the tr- different Iroquois, the tribes that made up the Iroquois Confederation, were violently opposed to the Black Robes, whom they saw as invaders, uh, but also bringers of a superstition and a religion that was foreign and dangerous to the tribes. And so they. Uh, encouraged by the English, uh, hunted down and killed the Black Rose. And when we think of the great tragedy of the North American martyrs, this is how it played out. Saint Isaac Jogue, for example, was killed, he was martyred in the very village in which Tecquitha, the future Saint Kateri, was born, meaning that her village, was literally stained, filled with the blood of a martyr on the very ground in which she walked as a young child. And I think that had uh, its great spiritual effect in the years to come. She was born 10 years exactly after the death of St. Isaac Job's. And if the blood of the martyrs is indeed the seed of the faith, uh, we can see that literally play out in her village in, in Oresville, And that's significant, I think, because the the work of the Black Robes, while effectively ended with the death of New France around 1759 with uh, the, the capture of Quebec and, and the, the seizure of Canada by the English in the Seven Years' War in Europe and what was called the French and Indian War in, in North America, the legacy of faith of The Black Robes, the legacy of the martyrdoms of the North American martyrs uh, played out uh, and was strong and vibrant even after New France had fallen. We see that in the spiritual legacy of Kateri. We see that in the devotion of the Catholic Native Americans. Uh, We see that in the perpetuation of the, the great honor paid to the North American martyrs. And the, the legacy of faith that we still have today, not just in Canada, uh, but across the whole of the Midwest and in the northeast of the United States.
0: Mm, incredible. Names mean something. And her name, she would be baptized. Some say Kateri, others say Kateri, Yep. But also, the, it actually means Catherine. It does. What a legacy to be brought into of those great Catherines. Yes,
1: uh, she was, uh, on the time, at the time of her baptism, she was baptized under the name of Kateri or Kateri, depending upon how you want to pronounce it, and she was specifically given that name in honor of Catherine of Siena, which seems to me to be especially fitting, because Catherine of Siena uh, had, as you well know, Chris, a very mm-hmm. strong personality. This Mm -hmm. was a formidable person. Uh, But she was also someone who was graced with uh, mystical uh, abilities, who was in her own way a mystic. Catherine of Siena was one of the great mystics of the Middle Ages. And it is very clear that uh, Kateri was herself a mystic. Uh, In... My mother's writings about uh, my mother Margaret's, my late mother Margaret's writings about Kateri, she always referred to her as the mystic in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. And when you read the accounts of the black robes of the the Jesuits, who were the ones who brought her into the faith, who provided her with the sacraments, who heard her confession, who were her uh, spiritual advisors, it's... Manifest that they understood that she was a mystic. It was also manifest to them that she was profoundly holy. And when you read their letters about her, they were not simply writing about a Native American who was trying to emulate the Europeans. Their writings, in fact, are are filled with certain cultural biases as writings from that period always are. We have to always mm-hmm. look at the context of things. So they do use phrases like sauvage uh, savages when they're referring to the Native Americans. That's, that's a cultural bias, and we have to factor that in. It makes all the more notable that when they wrote about Kateri, this was not from an amused standpoint. They were not sort of... Intrigued by this effort on uh, some savage to emulate, to imitate her betters. Rather, they were, as I, I've used this phrase before, they were in genuine awe of Kateri, of mm. her prayer life, of her faith, of her dedication to Christ, of her her clear mysticism. And in their letters, in their accounts that soon spread across New France, that soon reached all the way to, the, to Rome and to the courts of the royal court of France, they were building a case for her sanctity. And their letters and documents, including witnesses and testimonials after her death, were as clear as you can possibly imagine. An argument for her heroic virtue and an effort to create what, for those of us who follow the causes of saints, is known as a posizio. Basically, a document that would try to prove that she lived the perfection of the virtues to a heroic degree. And that, coming out of Jesuits about a young Native American woman who died at the age of 24, is truly remarkable and virtually unprecedented.
0: We mentioned her suffering in the beginning of our discussion and, and you also mentioned the saint that would be canonized along with her uh, Anna Schaefer. Yeah. talk to us about those victim souls those who suffer in such a way that a tremendous amount of grace is poured out into the world
1: yeah well we are called to embark as, as Pope John Paul II wrote in uh, particular in one of his great documents, that has been forgotten a little bit, but I, I, I hope will be remembered, and that is Salvifici Dolores, which is the, you know, this, this, the saving way of suffering, that if we embark upon the school of the cross, as he puts it, uh, we will learn great lessons uh, about how to live. And what that means is that we can form our sufferings the sufferings that we have in our life to Christ, all of us are asked to offer up our sufferings uh, because we live. We're going to suffer. That is part of uh, our earthly existence, our fallen nature. But unlike atheists, unlike others, we seek to provide meaning to suffering, that there's more to it than simply horror of suffering, and then death. We are able to transform the suffering of our lives into something that has deeper meaning, to become more than we are by sharing that suffering with Christ, by conforming ourselves to the cross. And then there are those who truly give their lives to Christ completely and utterly. Uh, by being a victim's soul. And Kateri, uh, Anna Schaefer, uh, there have been others in the history of the church, have done that. And it is the total giving of the self in that suffering, uh, where you really are releasing yourself into Christ's arms, to allow him to take your suffering, uh, to offer it to him. And in that way, to make of yourself an offering to Christ for the saving of souls for the world uh, to be saved, Uh, it is not for everyone uh, because it is a very difficult road. Uh, But it was a road that Kateri was willing to take and it was certainly a road that Anna Schaefer was willing to take.
0: Wow. I wish we had more time to discuss this incredible woman, this so young, age 24, Teresa's age, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. at the time of her death. But that's the, the true gift that we have in the work that you brought us in St. Kateri, the Lily of the Mohawks, just to be able to uh, get to know her better. But I would say, along with knowing her and reading her, a beautiful account in your in your work, but also to pray with her. Because she's still very much present in that great cloud of witnesses.
1: Yeah. um, There's a a series of stories that right after she died. uh, Word spread of her death. And uh, across the whole of New France. And then all the way to the royal court. And it was said that when word spread from village to village. No one actually had to use her name. All they had to say was that the saint was dead. Everyone knew who they were talking about. And in the... Months and years after her passing, miracles occurred in great number at her tomb, and they weren't simply healings, but they were also transformations—spiritual transformations of people. People who came to the church because of her, people who came back to the church because of her, uh, priests who would ask for her intercession and promise to go to her tomb if the children were healed, if. if Others would survive difficult births. The list is really amazing to read. And the Jesuits kept very careful records of them. With witnesses. That's one of the things that we need to remember. That uh, Kateri is now a saint. She has been proclaimed a saint. She was canonized in St. Peter's Basilica by Pope Benedict XVI on October 21st, 2012. Let's celebrate that. But let's also talk to her. Let's hold her up as a role model for young people. Young women especially today at a time when they're being so challenged by contemporary culture uh, to lead unchaste lives, to throw away uh, what the church has to offer. Kateri is is a role model for them, and she's a, a model for all of us in dedication to the faith, in love for Christ, and also in being willing to suffer for the faith in our own ways. Uh, We may not be martyred like the North American martyrs, but there will be persecution, there will be hostility, we will be mocked. But Kateri is a great model for us to follow, that uh, if we stand firm in the faith, lives can be transformed in ways that we cannot even begin to imagine.
0: Beautifully said. Dr. Matthew Bunsen, thank you so much.
1: Oh, great privilege to be with you, Chris. I look forward to being with you again.
0: With Dr. Matthew Bunsen, we've gone inside the pages of St. Kateri, Lily of the Mohawks. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, go to osv.com, the website for its publisher, Our Sunday Visitor. Or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or to download this discussion along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Join me next time for Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors.